can't take away the living Christ in me. And there might be somebody here today that can't say that. There might be one among us today that has never repented and believed unto salvation. And so Christ is not alive in them. That, that would be sad. So we want you to know if you're here today and you're without Christ, today could be the day of salvation for you. Amen? Aren't you glad you're able to sing that and know that to be true? The living Christ. Think about what you're saying. The living Christ in me. I think about the warfare that goes on in our hearts because the old nature hangs around. But yet Christ is in us and the new nature does battle with the old nature. Uh, the book of Galatians talks about is spiritual. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And then it says in uh, verse chapter 5, Galatians 22, For the flesh is diametrically opposed to the Spirit. There's a battle. So those of us that know Christ and Christ is living in us, we war. There is a spiritual battle. You don't know what a struggle is. You don't know what it is to struggle until you get saved and try to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Amen? Let's say it again. Amen? I mean, it is a battle. Your Bible's open to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And a couple of things I want to mention to you while you're finding that is um, uh, one thing, and we really probably need to start announcing this, and I don't want to announce it all the time, and, but to let you know as a church, we're going to try to go to um, the Creation Museum again, okay? Or the art. Now you say it's the art. You know, most people know the art more than they know there's a, there's a, there's a Creation Museum, and we've talked among the staff and, and trying to figure out when the best time would go. And what we're going to try to do, and we'll tell you more about this in the days to come. We'll have prices and all that. Um, I'm sorry, it's Revelation 15. I don't know why I told you Revelation 14. But anyway, um, it's Revelation 15 and 16. And yes, we are going to cover most of two chapters. But um, we're going to go at the end of the year, after Christmas. Now, we're not exactly sure. Christmas is on a Saturday. And then sometime that next week, um, we're going to leave and we'll come back somewhere on New Year's Day or whatever. But this, we'll be publishing the dates probably in a couple of weeks. But we would love for you to go. Um, I mean, I don't have any other details other than to say we're planning to take a group. And we would love for you to be a part of that trip. If you've never been, there's two things to see. One is the ark, obviously, if you've never seen Noah's ark rebuilt. How many have? It's pretty impressive, is it not? It's incredible. And then the Creation Museum, uh, which obviously defends the Bible from the very first verse, which I find to be very important. So we'll be telling you more about that in the days to come. If you're interested and, and you just want to let me know that you have an interest, 221-5689 is my cell phone, and you can text me and say we're interested, and, and uh, I'll get you information as we get it. The Bible's open to Revelation chapter 15 and 16, and folks, we're approaching what the Bible calls the last bold judgments of God. We've dealt with, and it's been a while, we've been in the book of Revelation a while, we've dealt with 
The seal judgments, you know, you go down and you pick those up around Revelation 6, 5 and 6 and 7. You have the seal judgments. You have the trumpet judgments. And if you'll remember, even if you go back to, I think it's chapter 11, the, the, the bowl judgments, now there's seals, there's trumpets, and then there's bowls or vials. Uh, even the word censer, it's the idea of a burning censer, a, a small, a wide, shallow bowl is kind of the idea of vial or a bowl. But they're called bowl judgments is how we describe them. So, but the bowl judgments are connected to the, to the seventh trumpet. And yet the trumpet judgments, all seven trumpet judgments are connected to the seventh seal. So to let you know that in God's eternal plan, as soon as that first seal was loosed by Jesus, this was a done deal. And Christ, remember, everybody wept. Nobody was, had the authority to unloose the seal about the title deed of all of history, but yet Christ was there, the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Two things I want you to think about. This week I was reading an article about, let me give you the name of this place. It's called... Hold on, hold on. Um, Boston Dynamics. I'm just talking about signs of the times. Now, we could talk about what's going on in the Middle East. Robbie prayed about that. Horrific. And a lot of that are just signs of the end of the age. Um, but two things that struck me this week, just stuff that I read about, uh, was uh, one is from this, the, they've uh, designed humanoid, and that's what they call them, Humanoid robots, okay? And you can look this up for yourself. I'm not making it up. It's a company called Boston Dynamics. They're the same one that have made dog animal robots, and you can watch them perform. But recently, uh, Boston Dynamics, they have two humanoid robots, and they're doing gymnastics. They're, and they, they're five feet tall. They weigh 190 pounds. And they're a robot. And it's just like you're watching some of those sci-fi movies from years ago. It's really what it looks like. It's stuff that it was fantasy 15, 20 years ago. What well, has these two robots, and they're, in the, they're doing gymnastics, and they're, it'll, they're, you know, they'll run, they're swinging their arms like you and I would run like a human. They're humanoid. They, they run, they act like humans. And so they, they run on a balance beam. It's incredible. Need to watch it. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But the most amazing thing is there's two of them. They end up performing a little bit of it together. And one of the most amazing things, they get up on a, on a box and, and they do backflips together off the box in unison. And then while they're standing on the ground, they do another backflip in unison together. And I just think about the technology that our world has. And we think about some of the, you know, those that know prophecy more than me, they talk a lot about the pursuit of the super soldier where soldiers would be robots and have this power. And, but anyway, and so it's here. Uh, it's amazing how, they, how human they look, even though it's a machine. But it's Boston Dynamics. You can, and they, uh, they call the, even though there's two robots, they call them Atlas, which is interesting in, in and of itself. So you can look that up. That's one thing that I read about this week. And you can watch the video. I watched the video. It only lasts a minute and a half. Another is, is uh, just technology is, is with uh, genetics is uh, 
that's called CRISPR. And I'm not going to try to explain all that CRISPR is. But CRISPR is, a, is a, an abbreviation of a process where they can, I think I'm close to this, where they can go into our DNA and they can splice, like let's say that I have a genetic uh, marker that gives me a certain infirmity. Let's say it makes me lame at birth or whatever. And they know where the genetic code is in, in a person. They can go into the DNA and, and cut the DNA strand to take out that, defect, that defection so that it won't happen. Interesting, it's called CRISPR. CRISP with an R on the end. You need to just tell them the technology is absolutely incredible. I don't know a lot about it, but just interesting to read on that stuff. But it's all signs of the times. All those are things. Because man wants to be perfect. See, We know we don't want to die. Mankind, apart from Christ, don't want to die. So they're trying to live forever. So these are things they're trying to do to conquer disease, to live in sin, do anything they want to do, but yet conquer disease. And, and it's not going to happen. So that's just two things I was reading this week that, that are signs of the times as I see it. Revelation chapter 15. And this morning is going to be more of kind of a, just an in-depth Bible study. I, I'm not going to preach five points in a poem. Uh, I just want to read the text and just share with you some thoughts about these judgments that God's going to, which are the seven last plagues, as the Bible calls them. And the word plague, and immediately if you know your Old Testament, what do you think of, you can answer this out loud, what do you think about when I say plagues? Think about Egypt. And there are many of the, many of the judgments against the world are very similar to what happened. We're going to read one in a minute. Very similar to what happened to the Egyptians. But instead of it being just against a nation, uh, you know, one landmass in northern Africa, this is against the entire world. And something else that's interesting, when you come to these seven last bowl judgments, let me tell you how severe they are. In, in the first judgment, so let's say you're in a seal judgment or a trumpet judgment, it might say that a third of the grass was killed. A third. Or a third of mankind died. Well, these judgments don't include a third anymore. It's all of it. Every bit of fresh water, every water body, every, every spring, every all. These are the final judgments. And, and so when you study prophecy and you know you're in um, the bold judgments, you know you're at the end. And we'll, what Robbie read, you know, Matthew 24, this is where Jesus is explaining to the Jews, you're going to be in the middle of this tribulation. And when you see the abomination of desolation, you know, and again, you remember what that is, that's the whole thing, the tribulation starts not with the rapture, does it? What, what starts the tribulation? The seven-year tribulation, what starts it? When a covenant is made with Israel. When the Antichrist, who will then be a, a, a ruler, a fake ruler by peace, he will control a ten-nation conglomerate. They'll make a peace treaty with Israel. When they sign that peace covenant with Israel, it's a seven-year covenant. That starts the tribulation. It's in the middle of the tribulation that he breaks the covenant, demands the world to worship him, and that's where the mark of the beast starts being forced upon people. 
And Israel becomes the, the persecuted entity of the world. What they've always wanted to do, the Middle East, they'll try to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. So, as soon, as soon, so when Robbie was reading it, just to clarify what you were hearing, it's not talking about the church, it's talking about Israel. So when they see the abomination of desolation, when, that, when, the, when the Antichrist goes to Israel, goes into a temple, which has to be rebuilt, goes into a temple and claims to be the one to be worshipped, when you see that, he's talking to the Jews, run. Because there's going to be so much persecution against Israel. Everybody, most Two-thirds are going to lose their life. So they run. You don't go back to your house and get your cloak. Get out. Because there'll be such massive persecution. But remember, the bigger purpose, I know I'm chasing a rabbit, but when you're thinking about the tribulation, the bigger, one of the main purposes of the tribulation, it is to pour out God's wrath. That's obvious. But it's to bring Israel to repentance because they still don't believe Christ is the Messiah. Most Jews don't. I mean, many do, but most don't. But in the tribulation, towards the end of the tribulation, what brings Christ back at the Battle of Armageddon, is Israel cries for Christ to return and save them. They believe he's the Messiah now. So that's part of the redemptive process. So part of this is to bring Israel to repentance. Because where's Christ going to rule from? Jerusalem. Wouldn't it be logical that the, that the Israelites believe in him if he's going to rule the world from Jerusalem? So, so they come to repentance. And as a nation, just interesting to think about that. But these are the final judgments, the bold judgments, and they are absolutely horrific. Chapter 15 is kind of a prelude to that. So he says, Then I saw, chapter 15, verse 1, Then I saw another sign. And uh, the, John uses the word sign in his gospel, remember? There were seven very specific signs or Miracles that Jesus performed. The same word that like when Jesus turned water into wine, that was the first sign that he's the Son of God. The word Simeon, a sign. Well, in the Revelation, there's only three signs, okay? And two of them appear in Revelation 12. I saw a sign, 12, 1, verse 3, I saw a sign, and here's the third sign. Then I saw another sign in heaven... Great and amazing. Isn't it awesome? Great and amazing. Now the idea of being uh, amazing, in my translation, the ESV translated amazing. Uh, you, other words you could use would be beyond comprehension would be a good translation of the word. Incredible would be another way of translating it. Uh, striking events, an amazing event kind of thing. So he looks in heaven and another sign, he says, it's great and amazing. Seven angels. And think about the role of angels. In the, in, in other, now remember, Christ is the one that opened up the seals, the seven seals. But angels have controlled the, the trumpets and have controlled the bold judgments. So, so there, there are seven angels involved in the trumpets. And the, these are, of course, we just got through meeting these, these angels. There's one angel that goes into the heavens and proclaims the universe. Let me show you. Remember we read that, that angel, the, the messenger angel that flies through the heavens in chapter 14 and preaches the gospel? Remember that? Shake it up. Remember that? 
Remember what Robbie read? And it says, the, the gospel will be preached across the world, then the end comes, right? That's what Jesus was talking about. Is this one angel that proclaims the gospel worldwide, and it's right before the end of the tribulation. Interesting. Anyway, we move on. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which, which are the, the last, which I'm sorry, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. Now, now just an observation. You may realize this. I've read this a thousand times, and you have too. But it jumped out to me this week as I read this again and again, just thinking through it. The wrath of God is finished with these, with these seven, with these seven bold judgments or plagues. The wrath of God is finished. So if the wrath of God is finished in these seven, then the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments were also the wrath of God. You with me how you can make that application? They're going to be finished with these. So that again affirms that the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments, which were still bad and severe, not near as severe as this, but still was the wrath of God being poured out. And all of this is in addition to the demonic activities that are going across the world. Those demons that have been released in Revelation 9 and and the restrainer being removed and evil reigning and murder and rape and pillaging just dominating the world scene. The wrath of God is on top of that. I saw, he says, and I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing, the people that didn't take the mark, you know, but were martyred for it, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. By the way, there's, this is the 14th song. We're fixing to read the word. The, they repeat the, the song of Moses, uh, which is in um, Exodus 15, I think. That they repeat the song of Moses and they have another part of the song. But this is the 14th song in the book of Revelation. But I want you to notice it says um, the, the harps, they see, you know, they're standing on this sea of glass looking thing. Harps of God in their hands. And I was reading that there's only two musical instruments mentioned in the book of Revelation. Not that it matters, but it's interesting. It's harps and trumpets. I found that interesting. So they have this, but they're called harps of God. And so obviously they're, they're going to be worship harps. And so, and, and so and they sing. You're looking at your Bibles. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear? I'm sorry. Who will not? You can tell I still can't read well. I still have my glasses. I can do better though. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? 
for you alone are holy, all nations. And so you got to think about this. Christ will rule. And we, I've given you some cross-references earlier about in the book of Zechariah and Isaiah. The nations are going to come and they're going to have to send representatives three times a year. But all these nations, when Christ reigns and rules the world from Jerusalem, the nations will submit to His Lordship and His kingdom. It's going to be His kingdom. And, and the government that He establishes, these nations were going to have to submit to it. So He says here, for... You alone are holy and all nations will come and worship you and your righteous acts have been revealed. So that's what the song's about is Christ establishing his rulership on the face of the earth. And remember, these folks that are singing this lost their life as martyrs for the cause of Christ during the tribulation. They're, they're part of that great number that earlier it says a number that you could not count coming out of the great tribulation and they've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They've been saved by repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there will be people being saved during the tribulation. Multitudes of people being saved. But not everybody's going to be saved. We're going to learn that here in a minute. So John sees these, these martyrs in heaven... Uh, worshiping and, and praising the Lord God. And, and so he says, After this, I looked, and, and the sanctuary, the sanctuary, uh, I'm sorry, the sanctuary of the tent, is that what it says? The tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chest. And one of the four living creatures, we've already met the four living creatures, probably a cherubim, but not sure. One of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls. Look at what it says. So you have the, you have the, the four living creatures. And one of the four living creatures, is, if you go back and read these multi, multi-faced creatures, you know, wings and faces, and just gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God. Folks, I, I alone, I'm not asking you, I know I alone deserve the wrath of God. But as wicked as I am, I can look at this world and say this world also deserves the wrath of God. Correct? They're fixing to get it. It's, folks, we're close. You know this is true. We're closer now than we've ever been. But everything that we know about the coming of Christ could happen tomorrow. The rapture could happen tomorrow. These events, we're on the cusp of these events. Every day you read the news and you see some of the technology and, and it's just amazing where we are. It amazes me. And again, this is, I'm just talking about, I don't know, I'm not a technically smart person, but, and I don't have the best phone in the world, but but it, isn't it amazing that you can carry on a conversation 
and somebody can bring up a topic like you can say we need to go get some lumber to build a, a stick house I don't know and all of a sudden you'll get all kind of ads for lumber because it's hearing those and it AI um, artificial intelligence however they do those algorithms they pick up on these certain words and feed it to whoever is paid to he- send you an ad when they when you get this word it's just a, that is absolutely amazing And you just think about, think about when saints for 2,000, well, for almost 2,000 years, when they would read this stuff about the technology of the end of days, it was a bizarro world. When it talked about being able to control finances worldwide, the mark of the beast and technology and keeping up with people and controlling how they spent money and where they, where they went, where they were. To be able to track them down and either force them to take the mark of the beast or kill them. You're thinking, how do they do that? How would you do that? We, we didn't know. But the last 40 years, we, we know. But for 1,950 years, saints that read this thought, that's bizarre. How, how is that going to be? And you and I are living in a world. It's, it's happening. We, we know it can happen. It happens every day. It's just amazing. But just think about, they hand these angels, these vials or these censers or these bowls, and they're full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary in heaven was filled with smoke from the glory of God. That reminds me of the, the mount when, where Moses got the commandments, the and. Clouds and smoke always are representing the the presence of God. And and the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one could enter the sanctuary. No one could enter His presence. I would love to do a study on this transaction because it's it's not odd, but you have to think what it's telling you. So God's glory is, is present in, in the sanctuary in heaven. Okay, But it says that no one could enter that sanctuary. I mean, there's thousands of saints with me. Now we're getting ready. We're, you know, we're, he's going to come back soon and we're going to be with him. But there's hundreds of thousands, millions and millions of people that have been saved in the church age, but they can't go in the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So for some reason, worship in the sanctuary where God's glory is, is set aside for these moments, maybe days, where God orders that these angels pour out these judgments that are absolutely incredible. And remember now, if you're thinking historically in the tribulation, we're at the last end of the tribulation. The tribulation lasts, the tribulation, <laughs> the tribulation lasts seven years. The last three and a half is called the great tribulation. Jesus says that himself. He quotes Daniel. The great tribulation starts when the Antichrist breaks the covenant. The tribulation begins when he makes the covenant. The great tribulation begins when he breaks the covenant right in the middle of three and a half years. 
So there's three and a half years. This is at the end of that three and a half years. And probably as you study the book of Revelation, and I, I don't know this to be true, you guess it, it seems like somewhere in the trumpet judgments you, you're into the last three and a half years. Not, can't guarantee that, but it's just, it's just brutal. It's just brutal. Can you, you know, the devil's a murderer and a liar. You know, the two things Jesus said about the devil, he's a murderer and a liar. So a world full of the devil when the church is gone and the restrainers are moved is going to be full of deception and death. Besides the wrath of God. Can you imagine? But it's everything lost people have wanted. Earth dwellers. This is what they want. They're going to tell you that in a minute. They've already said it one time to God. They're going to tell him again. This is what they want. So he says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth in harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Now you're welcome to do a word study on your own, but the idea of sores, um, the sore, ulcers, some translations say ulcers, but to let you know that word studies and scholars say that this word means that these, what you see is caused by an infection from the inside. Right? That, that so there's something is on the inside now coming out, but these, it says harmful and painful sores. So it sounds like they're in, they, others can be infected with everybody. You know, you have sores, they have sores, my sores can infect you. And, you know, it's just, and it's all for everybody who has the mark of the beast. That's just absolutely incredible. The second angel poured out, and remember, those that are saved have been marked by the Lord, Right? So when the angels do, do pour this out, whatever it does and however they do it, they're going to know not to touch the saved people because people with a mark are going to get this. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea. And it says, and it became, this is a great description. I mean, how else would you say it? it the sea. And I'm assuming it's more than the Mediterranean. Okay? It's a worldwide judgment. It became like the blood of a corpse. Uh, coagulation is like... Uh, it's like a jail. So now... If, if that's what he's saying, the blood of a corpse, which is the blood doesn't flow, it becomes jail-like. 
So now the bodies of water have a jail. And it says, in every... Are you looking at your Bibles? Remember, it was a third, a third. Every living thing died that was in the sea. And immediately, you know, we know that these are quick in succession. And again, I don't know if they all happen in three days. They all happen in ten days or three months. Or, but they're quicker than the other judgments. There's one right after the other, it seems like. Kind of rapid fire. But when everything dies in the sea, the next day, you won't be any fish, fresh fish. I mean, and so if it lasts a month, I mean, you, the residuals from this, if it lasts that long, if it lasts three months, you can imagine the starvation. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. Which, you know, obviously, you're not going to go to a spring and pump blood and drink it. But if they do, that's all they're going to have. It is what, look, look at that last phrase. You with me? Because what's the issue with that? They're, they shed blood. You see that? Because it says it is what they deserve. Do you see that? It is what they deserve. Aren't you grateful that you don't receive what you deserve? Amen. Man. It is it not grace? But they're going to get what they deserve. I am. The Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. This is some kind of arbitrary, in anger, spiteful actions. This isn't God acting like a human. This is God Almighty who's righteous and just, delivering judgments that are just and holy and right. And, and a lot of this is because of how they've treated the Son, as in the Lord Jesus. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the Son, as in S-U-N. And it was allowed to scorch people with fire. I, I don't know. Does, does the earth tilt a little bit more? It doesn't say. I don't know. But I do know what goes on here. You know, they talk about that if the earth tilted at one half of one percent. You know, they talk about what be so hot you couldn't live. I think it's pretty close now in Alabama. But... but uh, can you imagine the sun scorching? It says it was allowed to scorch people with fire. Will it set them on fire? I don't know, but it's, it's horrible. They were scorched by the fierce heat. And look what it says. Now this isn't the first time this happens. They cursed the name of God 
who had power over these plagues. This is not the first time they know where the judgments are coming from. So they're defiant. They're shaking their fist in the face of God. And it says they did not repent nor give Him glory. They would not humble themselves. That's shocking. But the same thing's true today. We have so many proofs of the work of Christ and the power of God. And, and moment by moment, people mock Him and shake their fist in His face. So the sun is going to scorch and burn people with fire. With fire. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the, on the throne of the beast. And its kingdom was plunged into darkness. Now, it seems like there is a separation. That people that are committed to the Antichrist and to the false prophet, you know, uh, to that unholy trinity, their kingdom is, is, becomes in darkness. Uh, it makes you wonder if there's believers over here in this house hiding for safety and, you know, do they have light? I mean, that's almost what it sounds like. But the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. And it says people gnawed their tongues in anguish and they cursed the God of heaven. For their pain and their sores. So darkness falls. Still cursing. They didn't repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great. Now this is for so many reasons. The great river Euphrates. This is, and it's going to drop this. And, and its water was dried up. Just to let you know, this is the river Euphrates. When you look back and see the land grant to Abraham in Genesis 15, the eastern boundary wasn't the Jordan River. The eastern boundary was the river Euphrates. The land grant to Israel went all the way over to the Euphrates. But the Euphrates, but it dries up because when you read about the Battle of Armageddon, armies cross the river, you know, because the river's dried up. Okay, so this is in. Look, here we go. The sixth angel poured out his. We got. We got. Well, we're over time, but hang in there with me. We'll finish. It says, and so the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and it its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Again, that's the false trinity. Three unclean spirits like frogs. Now, if you ever hear people discuss demonic entities that appear sometimes as reptilians, there's a whole study of the demonic reptilians well, this somewhat not supports that, but 
this could be a support verse if they wanted it because a reptilian frog. So, so they have these unclean spirits that are like, no, they're not frogs, but they're like frogs. And, and it says, for they are demonic spirits. These frogs, like frogs. Maybe they walk straight up like a man. I don't know. But it says, for they are demonic spirits performing signs. Uh, and who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them to the battle of the great day of God the Almighty. So what are they doing? These entities go to all the kings of the earth. Now these spirits come out of the false trinity. But they're inviting and convincing the, king, the kings of the world that it's time to come to Jerusalem and let's, let's get rid of Israel. So, it says for the battle, and they call it to assemble them for the battle, uh, for the battle on the, the great day of God the Almighty. This is, this is a battle that God has ordained. This is, this is God's battle. And it's God's battle because He wins. And uh, then it says, Behold. We'll finish with this. I, I know I'm over time. Just, Behold, I come like a thief. Most thieves come at night, right? Right? Behold, I come as a thief in the night. Come as a thief. If you want to read some cross-references, 1 Thessalonians 5, the whole chapter deals with people of the day and people of the night. And if you're people of the day, you won't be caught by a thief. These are for lost people. This is for the wicked. So he says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that is in Hebrew called Armageddon. So these nations are going to assemble at a place called Megiddo, the Valley of Megiddo, or Armageddon is another name for it. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And I mentioned this the other day. I find that interesting because the, the Satan is called in the New Testament the prince of the power of the air. So the seventh angel pours out his bowl in the air. And, and it's like God is putting an end to all that spiritual power. It says... Uh, he poured out there and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And of course, the end of the story is uh, there's a battle that's not much of a battle and, and Christ conquers the enemies and he's going to establish his kingdom. And we'll read about that in the days to come. Aren't you glad you've experienced the mercy of God? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together for prayer. Thank you for your presence this morning. Father, we love you and 
God, it makes the good news great news to know that that we've escaped the wrath of God. Your scriptures, Lord, your word tells us that over and over and over. We have not been appointed to wrath. God, we praise you and thank you. But Father, we, we have friends and neighbors and relatives that, that we are aware of that if you raptured your body today, they would go into the tribulation. Father, we need to be gospel people. We need to be sharing the truth of the soon return and the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to this world to judge sinners. Father, help us care about the lost. Help us share and tell the truth to those we meet. Above all, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our King. In His name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.